third and goal from the 12. Nice pocket, fires, touchdown! Justin Jefferson! Yo, yo, welcome to another edition of Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson from the Vikings Entertainment Network alongside Ron Johnson from Vikings Game Day Live and former gopher receiver from Detroit, Michigan. I know Ron is proud of that city. And the reason why we brought him on is because this is a final game of a three-game home stretch, and we're facing your hometown team, the Detroit Lions. <laughs> not my hometown team. <laughs> we don't claim the Lions in Detroit. Why not? Man, they stop. I'm not going to say they suck, <laughs> but they suck. Like, And it's not just them. It's the aura around them. You know, like – you remember uh, Dave Chappelle had uh-huh. the aura when he was Rick James, mm-hmm. and then he also had the Prince. You know, he brought up the Prince aura around him, and you know how like if Prince looked you in your eye, all of a sudden you like Prince, even you know no matter yeah. if you like women or men, like you like Prince. Like, oh man, look at Prince, he just looked me in my eye. And you know, uh, Bruce Leroy, you know when he came out the water, he had the glow, the glow and the aura around the Lions organization since I've been a kid, ever since the Barry Sanders, Herman Moore. Mm. Um, it, it's been bad, you know. The not owners, even Megatron. No, that's even worse. Like they did him dirty. Like they drafted Megatron and they tried to draft like Charles Rogers. And they, I mean, you know, yeah. or before I think maybe Charles Rogers before Megatron, but they tried to draft. I think it was receiver after receiver after receiver after receiver. And we'll get into it later. But now you look at the list and it's like Quintez Cephas, you know. And it's yeah. there's not a lot of guys left. And they 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 drafted wrong for so many years. Um, the owners. You know, made so many weird statements, you know, like they tried to pay the players not to take a knee, you know, like, hey, we'll donate to your charities if you guys don't take a knee. It's just it's just the aura around them. They got to apologize to a lot of people. First being Megatron, Barry Sanders. And then I think that curse is gone, but they're cursed. It's a curse organization. Well, hopefully that curse continues on Sunday because we got the one and three Vikings against the 0-4 Detroit Lions. Kickoff is set for noon central time at U.S. Bank Stadium. You can listen to that game right here on the Vikings Radio Network. As always, voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, will be on that call alongside Pete Bursich, Ben Lieber, Greg Coleman. And that's right, we finally conclude this home game stretch, and hopefully it's with the win because it's more imperative than than anything right now to get back on track against the team you're supposed to win. Against Romeo Okwara from the uh, Detroit Lions is not playing. He's their lead pass rusher. Trey Flowers might be back. But when you have all those depleted guys on your roster heading into a game from the Detroit Lions perspective, if you're if you're playing for the Vikings, you, you have to win that game. And I'm sure the the Lions are saying, OK, well, this is a one in three Vikings team. <laughs> right. So we, we got to, you know, get back on track and gain some confidence also. Yeah, I mean, you brought it up depleted. So when you look at Frank Ragnow, you know, he's their centerpiece. He's their $77 million, whatever he got. He yeah. got a ton of money. Um, you know, shout out to Frank Ragnow, Chan Hassan, you know, alum and all the other yeah. stuff. But they needed him. They need him. And he's out. And so now you're going to throw and it's in. it's not a, because of his throat, right? Correct. It's something else they didn't really disclose. But, you know, now all of a sudden you have Evan Brown playing center. You know, and then you look at Penny Sewell might be out. Yeah. Um, it's it's just not what they thought they would be. And then the other thing is you look at the receivers, Khalif Raymond and Quintez Cephas. Yeah. You know, it's not the guys of old when you had, uh, you know, even Golden Tate or you had, um, what's his name, Marvin Jones. Yeah. And you had Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay. You had a, a bevy of receivers um, for the quarterback to use. And you don't even have your guy. Yeah. You know, Matt Stafford looks like a, a world beater now with the Rams. <laughs> Where people are picking, you know, people are picking them to beat Seattle, even though we beat Seattle, and so they're beatable. But you know, normally it would be, oh, Seattle's going to beat LA, and all of a sudden now with Stafford, with McVay's, you know, vision, 
they look like world beaters. And then the Lions bring in Goff, and they're like, oh, well, maybe that was a good trade. It wasn't. Like, Goff is just Goff. Like, he, yeah. I, don't, I think McVay never trusted him. And now all of a sudden, you're supposed to be this blue-collar, bite-your-kneecaps type of team, <laughs> and you're not getting that out of them. Their defense is the same. Like, nothing's changed. They moved up maybe one slot. Mm-hmm. Um, offensively, they're worse. Like, Matthew Stafford kept them in games. And, th- and that's the one thing now. You look at their offense, they're 18th in, in, in total yards. They're 15th in pass yards. Uh, they're 20th in run yards. And, and maybe that's a little bit better because yeah. the run game for them was always terrible. But the 15th in pass yards, they were always up there with Matthew Stafford because yeah. he kept them in games. And, and, and albeit it was comeback you know, type of games or just garbage games. And then points. You know, they're 24th. So right. nothing's changed. Nothing's crazy. I mean, um, nothing's, like, special. Correct. Like, defensively, maybe. But, no, I mean, they're 21st in yards allowed, 16th, 24th, and 29th in points allowed. Mm-hmm. You know, 29th. I don't know if that's knee-biting to me. That's not knee-biting. <laughs> that's hanging on to somebody's ankle, maybe. Yeah. But that's not knee-biting. 29th. And so it, it's, it's the same Lions team we've seen. But we do know – that the Vikings find ways to lose games because they play down to their opponent. And right. this is one of those games you you have to put your your foot on their throat early yeah. and never give them hope. And you you made a good point. You talk about um, good teams play good and good games. Bad teams play bad and bad games. So for the Vikings, in order for them to say that they're good against a, a Detroit Lions team that Dan Campbell said, hey, we, we may have to stop depending on some of these young guys. If you're the Vikings – what is your perspective when you hear an opposing head coach say that about his team? Well, I mean, honestly, then you're saying, okay, the the youth movement for them isn't there, and this is not their year. Yeah. You know, he's going to try to get some of these veterans back in there and see what they have. Um, but, but from the Viking standpoint, and you hit the nail on the head, it's you have to show you're a good team. At one and three, everybody's considering you the best. You look at the points for, points against. Um, they're they're like the best in the NFC North, yeah. even though they have like the third or fourth worst record in the in the division. And so that's the key. This is one of those games where it can't be because even if they win and they win by a field goal, that's not going to feel good. Yeah, you've got to win where it's taking a knee at the end of the game. Um, where you you have to win to the point where Dalvin Cook can rest in the fourth quarter. Mm. Um, that's that's what this needs to feel like. It, it should never be a pins and needles game versus the Lions. Yeah, and it shouldn't be that way. And I'm sure Mike Zimmer feels the same way in which he addressed in his press conference earlier today. Guys seem to be pretty focused. We need to get uh, get on a roll here and play our best game. Uh, you know, Detroit has has done a nice job. They scored a bunch of points against San Francisco, beat Baltimore, or should have beat Baltimore on 66-yard field goal they lost. But uh, it'll be a tough game, and we need the fans to be nice and loud for us. Questions? Mike, you mentioned earlier in the week Detroit's defensive runs mixing it up a little bit. Is that an extra emphasis on communication? Yeah, they they do a really good job of um, disguising the coverages as well. Um, They give you a lot of different looks, um, especially on third down with some of their pressures. Um, So we're going to have to have really great communication there. But, yeah, they'll move the fronts up. They'll play. They'll move the guys from twos to threes and, and, uh, you know, get into some odd looks and some even looks. How has Bradbury done since the season opener? We guys had some hiccups there. Yeah, he's he's handled pretty well. Mm Mm-hmm. How much does Dalvin's ankle improve throughout the week? And you think it'll be maybe a game time like decision, or what would you say? Yeah, probably. He had a good week. We'll see. Did he get any work today? Yeah. How do you feel about the nose tackle situation with Pierce now officially uh, rolled out? Uh, good. Uh, 
going to be talking to Bashad Breeland after this. Could you just kind of summarize why you think he's struggled this season? Has it been adjusting to a new team, technique? Has he maybe lost a step as he approaches 30? What would you say? I don't think he's lost a step. I think he's had some technique flaws in the red zone, but uh, he seemed to correct them pretty well this week. Um, you know, I like him. He's got good acceleration. He's tough. So we'll just see how it goes. Yeah, well, he's he's uh, he's their go-to guy a lot. You know, he runs good routes. He's tough uh, uh, blocker. You know, he hangs in there and fights guys and uh, runs good routes. Get get him outside, uh, spread him out at number one a lot of times and, and run some routes with him. So I use him all over the place. They've had some trick plays in the past too. You know, um, throwback. Uh, Fleet double pass. They've had a bunch of things like that, and they they use him in some of those things on the backside. Do you think Barr will be handling kind of the full-time role that Nickel kind of being in there all the time like he normally is as he comes back? Yeah, yeah. Ron, we we know Zim. He he's going to be Zim. Doesn't get too high. Doesn't get too low. But having a guy in Anthony Barr back that has to you know make him feel confident, knowing that okay this. Detroit Lions team, they want to run the ball. They got to throw the ball a little bit more because they play from behind a lot. But still, having another guy in Anthony Barr, a bigger guy in the box, that helps this defense. Yeah, and the thing about Anthony Barr, too, is his energy. Right. You know, he he's a silent kind of assassin, but when he makes a play, you know he's there. He's a captain out there. He's a piece, a piece I think Andre Patterson called him a calming effect. Like, yeah. he's out there, and you're like, okay, I know this guy's going to be in the right position. I think what, what fans don't know is when the coaches watch the film, they're just looking at, okay, what was the defense called here, and is Anthony Barr in the right spot? Right. If he is, which means, say, he has the hook curl, and he's in the hook curl, those are the things where you're like, okay, that's great. Because um, then you can fast forward to games where linebackers out of position, you know, receiver catches across the middle or running back catches across, and then they're by themselves and they're gone. Mm-hmm. That's the things where, you know, Anthony Barr does well that he doesn't get enough credit for or, you know, spilling a run. You're basically trying to force that tight end in or tackle in so that the running back has to spill outside of you and can't hit that lane. If he's doing that well and spilling the run and all of a sudden corners are able to make the tackle and running backs are running horizontal and not vertical, he's doing his job, even though he didn't make the tackle. It's 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 bigger than that sometimes. Yeah. And, and that's what players do sometimes. You you know you have the A gap or B gap, but you're like, ah, the run's going to the C. I need to get to the C. And then the running back cuts it back to where you're supposed to be. be- I think that's the key. How do you think the chemistry will be between a bar and Kendricks? I know those guys have known each other for 10 years, but it's been 382 days since those guys have been on the same field together. Do you think it'll take some time for those guys to, to gel again? Or you think, you know, it'll be like riding a bike? It's like riding a bike. Okay. I mean, you, you could put a blindfold on both of them, like the three ninjas, the little movie back in the day, and you could throw an orange between them and they'll both catch it with one hand. You know, it's just they're, they're on the same page. They know exactly what the other one's going to do. I mean, when you've been college teammates and pro teammates yeah. for this long, you just have it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like yeah. Jerry Rice and, and, and Joe Montana. Joe Montana said that. He said, I could put a blindfold on and throw an out route because I know where Jerry's going to be. And that's where Eric and, and Barr are. I love it. Well, before we get to our next segment, we got to pay some bills. So first, hey, Vikings fans, this football season, make Pepsi your go-to game day drink because it is the only drink for football watching. Pepsi, that's what I like. Vikings fans, we're turning to cold with Tide. Washing in cold saves money on energy bills, and if it works on NFL stains, it can work for yours. Skull Tide, Skull Vikings, Skull Cold. 
All right, welcome back to Vikings Vintage presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson alongside Ron Johnson. And Ron, going into this game, understanding that this is a must win for the Vikings, uh, do, do you have a guy in mind or, or, or X factor for the Vikings who has to step up this game for the Vikings to win convincingly, like you said earlier? It's going to be Daniil Hunter. Like mm-hmm. he has to set the tone. He has to be able to get to the quarterback. Uh, we know he can. I mean, I guess I would say at the combo platter, we don't know if Michael Pierce is going to go, but Dalvin Tomlinson, Daniil Hunter, and DJ Wanham. Like yeah. that front seven or front four, front three, whatever they decide to go with. Yeah, if, it's, if it's Sheldon Richardson, yeah. Everson Griffin, whoever. Those guys, but Daniil specifically, that's kind of my X factor. I think he has to really show up this game. I mean, I was saying, you know, I said earlier this week, I think Dalvin Thompson has two plus sacks. And the, the last time that's been done has been by uh, Tom Johnson, a.k.a. Sebastian Thunderbucket. Yep. Uh, a couple of years ago, he had two and a half sacks against uh, the Lions back in 2018. And I, I think that's very doable this week. You talked about their their offensive line not being healthy. I think this is a, a confidence game for some of our guys, which ultimately helps a, a guy in Patrick Peterson, Cam Dantzler, Bashad Breeland get their first pick of the season this year. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think the pressure, one, two, the the, the offensive line is going to struggle to hear. Like yeah. this, we heard the crowd the last two weeks; they've been extremely loud. But that's tough for a tackle when you're that far from your quarterback. And and, and my guess is, and Dan Campbell's a smart guy; he's with the Saints. They're probably going to go. You know, he knows what a loud indoor stadiums like. Yeah. That's that's what they're going to make sure to do is probably work on some silent count stuff mm-hmm. so that the tackles aren't left on islands and having to rely on can I hear the snap? But you know that might be giving them too much credit. Yeah. They might come in here and not realize that they need to go silent count and we're going to have a lot of you know either false starts or late starts yeah. um, because they did not realize the ball was snapped so it's going to be a tough you know day for that offensive line so who do you think that will affect most I would say Evan Brown like okay. you're a young center you're coming into this stadium you got Dalvin Tomlinson you got probably some Mike Zimmer sneaky stuff going to yeah. happen where you know you're going to get Kendrick that's tough on a center because you have to be able to hear the check. So yeah. if all of a sudden you can't hear who the new mic is and you're still thinking it's Barr and now it's Kendricks and right. Kendricks comes and you're just assuming, okay, well, Kendricks is coming. He's not in our count and he is. It's going to be a jailbreak right. sack. You know, it's going to be everybody's going to come through because guys are going to be looking like, you know, what what the heck are we supposed to do? Yeah, that's that's the tough thing about quarterback center is if you are not prepared for that and you don't have that in the works, yeah. you're going to struggle. Okay, gotcha. All right, now moving on to – Question number one, who has more rushing yards, Dalvin Cook or the Nebraska Cornhuskers that are playing the Minnesota Golden Gophers on Sunday? Dalvin Cook. Really? Yes. Nebraska's run offense, they're, they're averaging like 218 rush yards per game. I, I think Nebraska is going to end up in, in situations where they have to throw. Okay. And that's where they're not good. And I think that's the issue. You look at the games where they had to throw, they <laughs> struggle big time. So when he can get out the pocket and move around, um, they're good. Mm-hmm. But if he has to be a pocket passer, which I think that happened last year or two years ago when it was raining or something, right? Um, they got absolutely murdered. I think and they're so, only averaging like eleven pass pass attempts per game because something. they're in third and short. They're they're doing yeah. a really good job because you look at Purdue. Same thing happened in Purdue's game. You know they they kept the quarterback in the pocket. Yeah. They forced him to be a passer whenever they ran the ball. Everybody was running to it because Minnesota got their swagger back against. They lost it against Bowling Green mm-hmm. big time, but they got their swagger back against. Uh, Purdue, and so now you have to build on that. Their biggest issue, honestly, is going to be getting their running back back because Trey Potts might not be able to go. But I mean, the good thing is a bye week, so they yeah, will have time, time to get them back healthy. Yeah. All right. Question number two: Who gives up more second quarter points, Detroit Lions or the Minnesota Vikings? The last two minutes of the games this year, the Vikings have run eighty-nine plays, which is the most mm-hmm. in the NFL. 
8.7 yards to go, which is not good. Right. That is second to last in the NFL, and they've had 21 first downs, which is second in the NFL, meaning they have had to prolong drives and they're having to try to come back and do these things. Mm -hmm. But defensively, this is the key. They are 31st in yards gained in the last two minutes, 6.6 yards gained in the last two minutes of every single game for this Vikings defense, and then four TDs, which is tied for 25th right now, even though four, because we're early in the year, but still, in the last two minutes of the last four games, you've given up four touchdowns, Yeah, that's not good. I'm going to go, you said give up the most, right? Give up the most. I'm going to go with the Lions. The Detroit Lions are the third worst second quarter defense. We are the second worst <laughs> second quarter defense. They've given up 48 points in yep. the second quarter. We've given up 49. I mean, my my perspective is who whoever gives up the least amount of points in the second quarter should win this game. It's like I said, it's the Lions. I, I just hope <laughs> that they are who we think they are. And they're going to do what they've done in the past, which is just come here and be terrible. <laughs> I mean, if that's the case, that, that that bodes well for us. I think they have like one. I think they had like one win, maybe. I don't think so though. I think they might have had one win here where it was like a weird play in think, the end zone. He yeah. flipped over Harrison Smith on a long run. It was a it was twenty sixteen uh, Golden Tate. It was a walk off, yeah, in overtime. Yep, and he did like that yeah. weird run and flip. Yeah, and yep. he didn't tackle him. Yeah. Last question: Who has more pass attempts, Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins? Who? So I know we want to run the ball with Dalvin Cook. Um, but I know they're going to have to throw the ball. But I'm going to say Kirk because I hope Kubiak, with Dalvin Cook being a little hurt, with the fact that we know play action has been his best thing, play action rolling out to his left, I yeah. hope Kubiak gets that right and they do throw for more than Lions. Kirk Cousins, 157 pass attempts this year, second most in his career in the first four games of the season. Uh, same thing for Goff, 161 pass attempts, fifth most this year. Most since 2019, second most in his career. So a play action pass is where they make their money. This is a bigger game because this is the crucial catch uh, initiative game for the Vikings. And I know uh, this this means a lot to you and, and why. I guess just more so why this crucial catch and this initiative at the NFL uh, has put on the past couple of years. It used to be think pink. Now it's crucial catch. So why is, you know, crucial catch intercepting cancer big to you? Personally, I mean, my mom is a cancer survivor. She had brain cancer, um, had surgery, and she's, you know, she's living through it. She had to relearn a lot of stuff, relearn what light and dark was. And because um, people don't understand, like, even though you survive it, your brain is one of the toughest things to heal. And so she had to relearn a lot. Like, she had to remember, like, had to learn how to when is she's hungry and when is she supposed to eat, you know, like okay. walking through her with that stuff. And, you know, I remember talking to her late at night after a surgery and she didn't want to go to sleep because she didn't understand what darkness was and she was getting scared. And, um, it, it was tough. You know, I tear up just thinking about it. Um, but but she's made it, you know, and she survived. And so I know without like a lot of the like surgeries and the conversations and the you know, it was it was by the grace of God, man, because she was the surgery. They thought it was like a golf ball sized tumor in her mm -hmm. brain. And the 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 original surgery, they were going to have to crack her head open and do a bunch of stuff, which would have been even more dangerous. And the way they were able to get it done was just it wasn't as. Uh, it still was a long surgery, yeah. but it just was different. And yeah. it didn't affect a lot of the areas they thought it would affect. And so that's what she's had to live through. And then my wife, you know, at, at a young age, my dad passed away. And then literally a month later or within that same month, we found out my wife had breast cancer. And so, you know, she battled that for two years. And we're still battling that every day. Like stuff comes up. She gets you know, different scans and, oh, okay, yeah. there's, there's a there's a spot here. We need to have, you know, we need to biopsy and cut that out and see what that is. Um, she still goes through stuff, man, but it's, you know, I wear the pink bracelet from, uh, you know, just as a remembrance of that. 
I think that's the key for me as I remember it. Um, I wasn't present in that time because I just I, I shut down. Yeah. But now I look back on it and I tell her that now too is like I'm I'm happy. You know I'm happy she's here because I couldn't imagine doing life without her. Mm. Um, watching other people lose people. Her best friend um, from church had breast cancer at the same time she did and she passed away. Mm. And so there's no rhyme or reason with cancer, man. Like it's two people, both healthy, both get it. One person lives, one person dies, and it's, you know, and you can't question it. You know, people always try to give you these cliches, man, like, oh, God's plan. It's not, man. Like, yeah. bad stuff is not God's plan. God's plan is when bad stuff happens, I'm going to show you the light. And he's shown me uh, empathy, sympathy through her, seeing other people rally around us. And that's what I love to see on the field is, is players telling their stories, people yeah. – uh, you know, being open. You know, men are supposed to be these tough warriors. Yeah. You know, but we deal with this stuff and struggle. Um, you're a football player as well, and mm -hmm. so you know, like when you're on the field, man, you're supposed to be Macho. bulletproof. Yeah. Um, and then when something like that happens in life, you just don't. You know, people don't always. Or back in the day, people weren't always there to support you. Now, man, guys are able to be vulnerable. Um, because like Anthony Barr brought up, mental health is serious. Yeah. And and in cancer, man, that's that was a big part of uh, my mental mental health struggle. Like watching my dad die and then seeing my wife go battle chemo and radiation and all that stuff. It's it's just something that takes. It doesn't cancer doesn't ever give. It takes and takes and takes. And then you have to find your giving from God and other people. And we had a huge. Uh, support of family. Her mom drove up every chemo treatment, man. Every wow. two weeks, her mom was coming up for chemo to help out because she realized like she's going to be in the bed for three to four days. I'm going to be alone with two kids. And her mom was a godsend, man. Like she, she just like was there. She was on the road from Iowa every two weeks. And so that's why every chance I get, I try to, you know, thank her mom in some you know way or form or fashion, yeah. Yeah. you know, just talk to her in the morning. We'll, we'll go to breakfast and her and I will just talk in the morning before the kids get up and just, you know, I tell her that stuff like, man, like, I don't know how I could do life uh, without the help we've had. But mm -hmm. I think the NFL, you know, they, they, they hit it out the park with this one, um, bringing the awareness, raising the funds for it. But yeah, man, I, I I love this game. I love what it stands for, and uh, I, I can't wait to get to the stadium. And your mom and your wife will be at the game on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, nice. it's gonna be a fun one. I guess all, all we got to do now is get a win. You can't go one and four. One and four, you got to hope the rest of it, because then you're you're not gonna catch the Packers at that point. Well, Ryan, we got to get out of here, man. So I appreciate your time today. No, thank you, and thank you everyone for joining us again for another edition of Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi. For Ron Johnson, producer Jay Nelson, my name is Gabe Henderson, and this is. The Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi. Make sure you stay tuned to Vikings.com and all of our social media platforms for the most up-to-date coverage of the team. Skull. go.